This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We welcome you to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. The Gospel of Matthew details Jesus' preparations for his kingdom work. In today's program, we're going to talk about Jesus' message as he goes public and how his words excite people. Please stay with us for Pastor Kramer's sermon entitled, Jesus, Big Idea. Today we're going to look at a powerful statement that Jesus made that can actually change your life. So stay with us as we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come together today to honor you, remember how great you are. And as we hear gospel again this day, God, we ask that you would renew us and revive us so that we might trust and delight in you and your will for our lives. Amen. Our reading for today is from Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Dear friends, I would guess that most pastors probably can remember the first sermon they ever preached, the first time they got into that pulpit. We remember those sorts of things that uh, can be a little nerve-wracking. I remember my first sermon. It was on the David and Bathsheba text in the Old Testament. and I taught about uh, sin and grace and forgiveness and preparing for it. I was a nervous wreck, and when I got up there, I was nervous. And I think I threw everything into that thing except the kitchen sink. It was very, very long. I'm reminded of a funny story about this young, inexperienced preacher who had been asked to be a supply preacher at a little rural church. He'd never preached before. He drove out to that church one rainy cloudy Sunday morning. It was bad weather. He was nervous and excited at the same time. This would be his first sermon. When he got there, he was disappointed to discover that the only other person there was this old rancher. The weather was so bad, I guess, that people had just stayed home. The young preacher asked this old cowboy if he wanted him to go ahead and preach, to which the rancher replied, well, preacher, I'm not too smart, but if I went out to feed my cattle and only one showed up, I'd still feed him. So the young preacher started the service, and he, when he got to a sermon, he got to preaching and preaching, and he went on for an hour and a half. As the old rancher was leaving the sanctuary, the young man asked how he liked the sermon. The cowboy said, well, preacher, let me put it this way. If I went out to feed my cattle and only one showed up, I sure wouldn't dump the whole load on him. Well, today we have before us the first sermon of Jesus. It's pretty short. In fact, it's a one-liner. Actually, in all likelihood, it's a one-sentence summary of his sermon. It's what preachers call these days. Uh, we have the big idea there. The text uh, we have begins with the phrase, From that time. This little phrase in Matthew's gospel is a hinge statement of sorts. 
announcing that a new chapter of Jesus' life is about to kick in. So he says, from that time, we need to look back. From what time? Well, the preparation period for Jesus is over. He's been baptized by John the Baptist, gone out into the wilderness to do battle with Satan. John the Baptist has now been arrested. Uh, Jesus has moved to Capernaum in Galilee to start his ministry. The table has been set for him. And we've also learned so far from Herod's trying to kill the baby Jesus early on and John the Baptist's arrests, as well as the temptation of Jesus, that this was not a friendly environment into which Jesus was stepping. It was more like a battlefield. Anyway, now Jesus goes public today in this passage and begins his ministry. It's interesting to note what Jesus did on his opening day. It says, he preached. Now, as a preacher, I love that verse. It makes me feel affirmed. That word preach is borrowed from the ancient world. It's used to describe a herald that would come from the king and proclaim a word from the king to a village. An announcement, a command given with authority representing the king. The gospel writer Matthew, a few verses later, tells us that the preaching of Jesus attracted great attention in crowds and got many people very excited. Why is that, do you suppose? I have a theory about that. It was the content of his message. The subject matter, which made people's hearts beat a little faster with anticipation, was the announcement that he made about a kingdom. The kingdom of heaven or as Mark puts it in his gospel, the kingdom of God is near. That's what he proclaimed. That's what he preached. The people of Israel, you see, got excited because they had been waiting for this. Ancient Jews prayed that God might come and rule on earth as in heaven one day, and that the enemies of God and the haters of God's people might be cast down once and for all, and a new age might begin. In their time. That's what the Old Testament prophets had predicted. This thread runs throughout the Old Testament to the New. It's what unifies them. The kingdom of God. It's what the people had been praying for and hoping for. In fact, in the weekly synagogue services, they would say, May God establish his kingdom in our lifetime. So when they heard this preaching from Jesus about God's kingdom... Their radar went, uh, antennas went up. Finally, it's about time. God's going to restore Israel, they thought to themselves. He's going to break the chains of oppression of that Roman Empire, chase them out of here once and for all, and he's going to establish a new empire. And what he said about this kingdom got them all the more excited when he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. The wait is over. It's arriving. It's arrived. Jesus is actually pointing to himself. And he would continue to point to himself through his words and his mighty works, which were signs of the kingdom. He was saying to them, all the hopes of Israel have now become present fact in me. I'm the completion of what you've been looking for. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Redeemer of God. His 
words brought great hope of better days ahead. It was heard as very good news. But what they were expecting and what Jesus was bringing were not exactly the same thing. It must have looked a little peculiar to them where he started. Look at this unspectacular setting, Galilee of all places, not down south around the Jerusalem area. And there's no halo and there's no king's crown on this person, no splendor, no servants, no army, only this little-known carpenter from Nazareth with this message. As Jesus described his kingdom and carried out his ministry, it made some people scratch their heads and some to walk away because this was a different sort of kingdom that he was talking about. He, he didn't act like a new Moses or a King David like they'd been expecting. He didn't seem to want to organize an army. He seemed to not be concerned about ceremonial laws and rules that had been set up and holiness for, for holiness. And he insists on serving as his calling and tells those who follow him to turn the other cheek and pray for their enemies. He seems not to be concerned in the least bit about those Romans, those oppressors. Eventually, by the end of the Gospel of Matthew, then, we see that most have rejected Jesus and that kingdom that he was describing. As the people are screaming for his blood at his trial before he was crucified, Pontius Pilate turned to him and said, What have you done that they want your blood? And Jesus will reply, My kingdom is not from this world. I'm not what they expected. So we today need to ask, well, what did Jesus mean then when announcing this kingdom being at hand? Well, first of all, he did mean that God's power was beginning to be asserted. His rule on earth was there in a new way. God is up to something big. As the king, he was ex exercising his Rightful authority. God would reign over individuals and families and religious traditions and social mores and demonic powers and even political institutions. He would establish his righteousness and justice, aligning all things under his rule. The beginning of that was about to happen. Remember when Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? He was talking about major change in this world, not just in an individual's heart, but in the world as a whole, that God's will will be done in the world. But this kingdom doesn't come about through worldly power and armies and politics, but through serving and love and the sacrificial death of Jesus, which will change lives, which will change the world around us. With Jesus, you see, this was just the beginning of the kingdom arrival. He talked about that in his parables. He said it's like a seed that's planted in the ground that grows silently and it continues to grow like a mustard seed. And soon it's just huge, overwhelming. 
kind of an already but not yet kingdom. It's visible in Jesus, but has not come in its fullness until Jesus will appear again in glory and majesty of his second coming. We see signs of it even today as the gospel opens people's lives, brings light into the darkness, as great things get done in the name of Jesus. His enemy was not Rome. Now, Jesus came to defeat a bigger enemy, the kingdom of evil, the kingdom of Satan that held humanity captive in the darkness. And most of Jesus' audience uh, didn't pick up on that. They didn't get it. I hope you do. Because you see, that message of Jesus hasn't changed one iota. It is still our good news for this world today. The kingdom of God has arrived in Jesus Christ. And why is this kingdom message good news for us? Because, first of all, it means freedom. Freedom from our sin and the guilt that accompanies it. Our ultimate problem is sin, you see. It separates us from God, and it separates us from what God intended for us as we live out these lives. In Christ Jesus, who went to the cross, he paid for our sins, reconciling us, making that relationship restored through what he did for us, taking away our sin. It's freedom from the consequences of our sin, which is death. Through Jesus Christ, death has been defeated. It can no longer hold us. It's a gate through which we pass to spend eternity with our Heavenly Father. And it frees us from the power of the evil one, the devil. He's now a defeated enemy. And we know that in the end, he will be destroyed once and for all. We don't need to live in absolute fear and panic and anxiety over him. We're free from that. We have Jesus to send to the door when the devil comes knocking. It's good news because it means hope for you and me. That even though the world may look dark some days and it looks like evil is winning out over good, we know that in the end, that kingdom will come in its fullness and when Jesus reappears and that nothing can ever separate us or snatch us from that hand of Jesus, our shepherd. Uh, we can sing with confidence, this is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is a ruler yet. It means a new beginning for you and for me. We, When we come to Christ, receive citizenship. We walk with God in a restored relationship as sons and daughters. That's our new status. And he shares with us a new way of doing life. And it actually works so much better than anything we can dream up on our own. As we operate by kingdom values, come to an understanding that God understands what makes us tick and what makes us work so much better. And we live for his purposes and his kingdom and his honor and his glory and I love this statement I came across. For too long, it says, we've been called unbelievers to invite Jesus into your life. Jesus doesn't want to be in your life. Your life's a wreck. Jesus calls you into his life. 
kingdom life, and his life isn't boring or purposeless or static. It's wild and exhilarating and unpredictable. I love that. And you might be asking, well, how can I be sure that this kingdom thing is true and reliable? Well, let me ask you, where does this opening day of Jesus' ministry end? At a cross and ultimately at an empty tomb. There Jesus did battle with sin and the devil and the power of death, and he won. That's God's stamp of approval. God, through that resurrection, said, listen to Jesus. Act on what he says, because he's offering you a new life that goes all the way into eternity. The resurrection is God's yes. As I said, the message of the kingdom is the same for us today. So is the response that Jesus is calling for when he says, repent. That word means more than simply feeling sorry for my sins. To repent means to move from my self-rule, running my own life, to the rule of God. It means totally reconfiguring one's life under God's authority and rule. It means coming under new management, restructuring, reconsidering our strategy. It's a change of mind, a heart, and life, surrendering your whole life to his care and his leadership. It means turning from everything else that has been crying out for your allegiance and maybe leading you astray and following Jesus, letting go of it. Repentance means to turn from these and follow him. I love the little story about the the boy who got his hand caught inside an expensive vase and his parents applied soap suds and cooking oil trying to get it off without any success. And when they seemed ready to break the vase, it's because it seemed the only way to get the hand out, the frightened boy cried, would it help if I let loose of the penny I'm holding? So it is with us all too often. We cause God and others great anguish and risk the truly valuable because we will not let go of the destructive things, the insignificant things that we think we need to hang on to. Jesus has let go of these things. The message hasn't changed. The kingdom of God has arrived and the appeal is the same. Turn from the life of my kingdom come, my will be done to thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life and in this world. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this good news of your kingdom that has arrived through Jesus Christ, your Son. May everyone who is listening into this service today place their trust in Jesus Christ and surrender their lives to his care and his leadership. We ask that you empower us by your Holy Spirit to Live lives of true repentance, following Jesus with all our hearts. In his name we ask this. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message will help you let go of the destructive things in your life and hang on to Jesus instead. As a nonprofit ministry, Christian Crusaders is dependent upon the free will gifts of our listening audience. Many people choose to remember a loved one with a memorial gift. 
which are sometimes given to remember a special person on their birthday or another meaningful occasion. If you'd like to make a donation in loving memory of someone, send it to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-MY-FAITH. That's 888-693-2484. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. We thank all those who support this ministry with their prayers and gifts. Christian Crusaders now broadcast over 30 radio stations in 12 states. Catel, Kenya, Shortwave in Europe, and on the Internet where you can find additional resources and past sermons. Visit us anytime at www.christiancrusaders.org. That's christiancrusaders, all one word, dot O-R-G. We are grateful you chose to worship with us today and pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 81st year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.